Good afternoon. Welcome to the Long Live Third Parties podcast. Free Press, Media Press, Inc., a third party's books publisher, sponsors this podcast. I'm Andrew Bichard. Greetings. Hey, Andrew. How's it going? It's going all right with me. I hope it's going all right with you. Yeah, all things considered, uh, things are, are going well. Excellent. Friends, we have a guest on today's podcast. We have a guest from the California National Party, Bill Skog. I trust I pronounced your name correctly. Let me know if I did not. If you we did. Did I? You did perfect. It's a tough one for four letters. Excellent. If we could get started by you giving an introduction to yourself, your history, your background, and also how you got involved with the California National Party. So... It's an interesting story. So first of all, um, I'm not originally from California. I am. I was born in Concord, Massachusetts. Um, on my dad's side of the family, um, we can trace our lineage from the Mayflower. Um, my dad's side of the family founded a town called Sudbury, Massachusetts. Um, you know, fought in the Revolutionary War. Um, not my dad, our ancestors. Um, and then on my mom's side, French Canadian from Quebec, but that were in Vermont before Vermont was, before America was America. My family was, my mom's side was in Vermont. Um, was like, uh, I had one relative who was a, um, a assistant to um, General Lafayette from the French. Um, like, so I was very, at a young age, I, I don't even want to say patriotic. I was very New England centric. I always considered myself a New Englander before I considered myself an American, if that makes any sense. Um, so I always had that instilled in me. Um, my politics have changed over time, but I would always say my politics would be like libertarian on the federal level, green on the state level. Um, I always felt it was easier to yell at your state senator than your actual national representative in the Senate. Um, so left New England, um, with my wife, we went to Florida and then we, we wanted to be in a more, um, progressive place. I don't even want to say progress, I guess progressive, but a place, um, a better place to raise kids. Um, in Florida education was really important to us and, uh, we didn't want to go back to the cold weather of New England. So we picked, um, Northern California. I live, um, very close to Napa Valley, um, in the Bay area. And, uh, I fell in love with California. Um, I'll say my political influences, which I think made me decide to join the California national party. Uh, my favorite political author is a man by the name of Joel Garreau. And in 1980, he wrote a book called the nine nations of North America. Um, there was a revision by a different author, I think, uh, called The Eleven Nations of America. But it was the idea of bioregionalism, <clears throat> which has many definitions. But it's it's basically my version would be you govern local to your local community, to people who have a similar um, environment to you. Um, people in different parts of the country have different um, environmental concerns, different farming concerns or what have you, different water needs. Um, so I, I got into bioregionalism and then I would say in, a, in 20, 
2009, um, I became really discouraged with America itself. Um, not that I was the biggest fan of Obama, but just the fact that seeing how the Republicans were not going to work with him on anything. I guess you could even say it goes back to even to 1992 with Newt Gingrich. But I just saw the polarization of America. Um, I've seen recently learning, you know, about gerrymandered districts and the fact that the only person who's going to beat you for your congressional seat is a person farther to the left or to the right of you. And, um, yeah, just over time, just how far right the right has become and how far to the right the left has gone um, is, is really discouraging. And the two-party system itself, the fact that it's – I'll tell you this. I'll give it another example. Like in 2016, I supported Gary Johnson. Did not hit all of my you know wants as a president, but like – for me, a compromise of someone who wants to end forever wars and wanted to end crony capitalism, for me, that was enough over Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton. I thought him and Bill Weld were two former Republican governors from really blue states, Massachusetts and New Mexico, and they won their state reelection by an even wider margin. I thought that was a really good compromise for America. Um, between a choice between Clinton and Trump, and they got less than 5% of the vote. And that really um, discouraged me. Um, so I joined the California National Party in 2016, late 2016, early 2017. And then I did um, leave the party for a little bit. I, did, I guess I, I technically left so I could vote Democratic in the presidential primaries, but I was one of the um, first few volunteers for Andrew Yang's presidential campaign. I thought either he or Tulsi Gabbard would have been able to unify the left and right in this party to maybe move it in a positive direction. Um, but, you know, neither of them did particularly well and got very little traction. So I am back in the California National Party and I have, I've decided to really focus my issues on state issues and, um, yeah, so that's that. That's my my five minute story. Excellent, 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 excellent. So now that you came into the California National Party, would you kindly describe the views of the California National Party to our audience out there? Oh, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say progressive with a twinge. I'll, I'll, I'll say this. Anything that like the Libertarian Party and Green Party agree on is something that probably is going to be in the California National Party stance. Um, I would say our two big issues that we've had is um, we support changing the welfare system to a UBI plus a negative income tax. Um, our system would be 500 a month. And then your negative income tax would be anything below. If so, if you make anything less than 40000 the difference between that divided by two. So say you were a stay-at-home parent like I am. I actually I have a son with special needs that I, um, I stay at home with. I would get half of 40000 which is 20000 plus the 6000 from UBI. So I would have an, a base salary in California of $26,000. Um, 
So that's a big policy. And then, you know, if you make minimum wage and say you make 25,000 a year, or say you make 30,000, you would take 30 from the 40, divide that by two, you would get an extra 5,000 a year plus the extra 6,000 UBI. So it's a UBI system that it definitely, incent and with negative income tax, it definitely incentivizes working, but it gives everyone a real solid base floor. Um, the other thing we run on, a big issue for us is Medi-Cal for all. Now I'm saying Medi-Cal in the sense of Medicare, not a single payer system. We want to have Medi-Cal for all and then over a 10 to 20 year period transition into a single payer system. So, um, you know, that's an issue on the left. I think a lot of people get confused with the difference between a Medicare for all and a single payer. So we want to transition over 10 to 20 years to a single payer system after we control prices, after we just with Medi-Cal for all get everything somewhat stabilized, we would transition into a single payer. The other issue that we are pretty big on is um, we want to create a jobs program for um, water desalination plants, a massive amount to help with our water situation because, you know, in California, we do have droughts. We do have, um, you know, climate changes cause you know, droughts. We have tons of fires. In fact, during COVID, we had a fire, the big one that happened. It was two miles from my house. So we had to pack our family and um, we went and spent with, I went to New Hampshire and Vermont and, and we were with family for a few weeks. Um, so yeah, water desalination. Um, I get in um, a, a California bank. Um, so, you know, people wouldn't have to get predatory loans at, at, you know, places. It would be like a large credit union that would give out loans um, to California small businesses. Besides that, I mean, all the check marks, obviously, I would say we're pro um, science, we're pro um, civil liberties, um, we're very much against racism. Um, so a lot of like just the, you would have, a, you know, if, if people for watching or listening, if you want to compare it to the Democratic candidates, I would say we're in between, we're to the left of Andrew Yang and slightly to the right of Bernie Sanders. Um, if that makes sense, I would say like, um, I, I would say the one issue that we're kind of, I don't even want to say to the right, but moderate on is guns. We think that it, because California is so large and the counties themselves, some of them are as big as states or have the populations of states. I mean, if you think like Los Angeles County, um, has more of a population, than I think over half the states in the United States, um, so our our gun policy, we would want it to be based town by town, county by county. Um, I guess some of the other policies that are super important. We, um, yeah, very pro environment. Um, very much against like we want to keep our forests and preserve them. Um, if our goal with California independence um, to give land to to natives, um, you know, just indigenous land that is sovereign to them. Um, Oh yeah, left. We I, I suppose left, but not socialist. Interesting. Actually, on Ralph Nieder's podcast, he was talking about the why he doesn't identify as socialist and he identifies as progressive. Which brings me to our next question: How do you define progressive if you're not versus socialist? Since you say you're not socialist. 
I always think that any successful country is going to be a hybrid of things that are socialized and things that have a free market. I mean, everyone, um, a lot of the socialists that I, I talk to on Twitter or various places, they always say, oh, we want to be like Denmark. And I, I tell them, well, you know, Denmark has a value added tax. Denmark has a private sector. Um, so, I mean, that's socializing. You can be a progressive and still think that we need to socialize more things than we have now. Like I think, you know, socialization, just the gathering of resources, pooling resources, that should be done for healthcare. It should be done for our education, which it is for the most part now. Um, yeah, I, I mean, a big one for us in the California National Party is so um, where we're, I would say we're closer to socialist is of resources. Everyone should have access to the minerals and water um, in the state. Um, it should not be a few landowners. Um, we had a, 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 we're having a fight with Nestle that's actually, we think we might win where Nestle will stop controlling water um, on international and state parks and then selling it back to us. So um, I guess I, I, I think a progressive would probably be like 80% socialist with a 20% capitalist would be my most, the simplest way I would probably describe it. Um, you know, I know socialists who think um, professional sports teams should be socialized. I, I don't think that's necessary. Um, but yeah, healthcare, I, I sure think everyone in this country has the right to equal access to healthcare, um, the natural resources we all share. Like, I don't think people have the right to pollute and uh, hurt someone else's land and whatnot. Um, so, yeah, um, I mean, social, like, we, uh, in my opinion, and I think if you look at the CNP po policy, we need to be more towards socialism in this country just because of how far to, you know, corporate feudalism we've gone. But, um, yeah, I, I think a progressive can acknowledge some value to the private sector. That makes sense. That makes sense. So, so what ballot access issues are you facing in California? Well, for the CNP, I would say just getting our name out there and getting more people to be aware. Um, you know, just looking at the California access. I don't know if there's a state that's better. I, I haven't researched that, but what we have to get is one third of 1% of people to register with the party who voted in the last gubernatorial election, or we need to get 10% of signatures. I think we are gonna go with registration. Our registration, I don't know our exact numbers, um, but it has been growing steadily every year that we've been around. Um, we are um, we are running someone in the recall. Um, so access for that was actually, you know, he'll still be under an independent name, but getting ballot access, I think, is less than ten thousand dollars out here. Which I mean, is it perfect? I'd obviously would prefer a, a system that would allow people with even less money to get involved in vote or get involved in run for office. But you know, for governor, I. It's not bad. I, I I know that there's a lot of ballot issues in a lot of other places, 
I would say in comparison, California seems to be doing better. Um, there are a lot of people who have problems with the propositions. I don't know how aware you are with California propositions and the power they have. Um, no, but they, explain them if you don't mind. So we had um, a proposition, the last one that I'm trying to think. It could be a proposition on taxing land to fund schools. That will be on the ballot. Or someone will put a ballot on to legalize marijuana, which we did, or to um, ban gay marriage, which I think happened in the 90s. I forget that. I wasn't out here at that point. But then people vote on it during the election. So you have a guide to all the props. Um, one of them that I was a big advocate for the last time was Prop 24, which would give people money or, yeah, would give people money for their data um, online. You know, like when you go on Google, Google harvests your information and uses it with their AI to get better marketing and to sell you crap better. Um, so that was a proposition that I, I, I supported. But, yeah, it's a popular vote. You have to get a certain amount of signatures um, to get it on as a proposition. Um, there are people, not people in the California National Party, um, but there's other California independence movements that want to put it on a ballot um, and vote on it. And uh, that, that's not how we seek independence necessarily. And, um, yeah, so that's the propositions. Those Those can have a little controversy just because so much money is spent on them, and it's all – for the most part, it's special interest groups really get a hold of it and it becomes a real corrupt kind of just um, mess. Um, but ballot access, I got to be honest, I'm okay with getting access if we get one third of 1% on the ballots. That that to me seems reasonable. That's like, good. At least get party recognition. Yeah. Sure. Sure. So um, what, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I'm sorry. What coalitions have you entered in as a party? <sighs> so I don't know if we have official coalitions, but I'll say that we, um, like I, re I, I work within a group. There's a guy, um, if you're ever looking for an interesting interview, um, the Decent Fed Project. Um, he believes in decentralizing the U.S. government, like um, to give it into more autonomous regions. Um, I do a podcast with um, and on, on this group with um, one of the the work heads of the Cascade, um, which is Washington and Oregon and part of Canada. Um, we we have coalitions with the New England Independence Movement, um, the Minnesota Independence Movement. There's a couple Texas Independence Movements. We're involved with the more progressive, much smaller movement. Um, so I would say those are the main ones. There's some others in the California independence movement, very few that we um, we work with. Just because in all honesty, our priority, we're very similar to, oh, and the other group that we have an affiliation with um, is the Scottish National Party, which has been a, a party for years in Scotland, for decades. And they um, we, we kind of base our model around them. We, we're starting to run local candidates. Um, and we, we have our sound policy. So people, we want people to eventually look to us, even if they don't support the independence movement, when they go and look, oh, my gosh, we love their UBI policy. We love their Medi-Cal for all policy. We love their water desalination policy or our mass transit policy. Um, 
So yeah, we're trying to become, because the Republican party in California is, it's dying. Um, what used to be a Republican or be making the Democrats more conservative. And then there is a fringe Trump-esque base that can win a few districts in Fresno, um, San Diego, maybe a moderate Republican wins now, maybe not. But there's a very few just popular. If you look at a, a map of California's population density, the places that have very little population, you can get a Trump Republican in. Um, but yeah, it's. Um, yeah, so we're looking to become the second party in California is our long term goal. We want to become I mean, more realistically, we have to become a third party, quote unquote, first where, you know, we're getting 5% or whatnot, but we eventually want to um, become the second party because we, I, I know you have problems with two party, the two party system, which I do, but you know, what's worse than a two party system, a one party super system in a, in California or any state that's just completely controlled by one party. Um, you lead to corruption. It leads to um, just the lack of ideas flowing through and, you don't get good candidates. So, um, yeah, that is. Um, I think if there's, I'll say one other coalition. We, um, we work a lot with the people who used to work in the Yang campaign. Um, just cause we're, you know, they're a UBI centric group and we're UBI centric. Um, so we help them. We, um, we're working on a project. There's a pl a town in Sonoma called Gurnerville. And someone's trying to log several acres of um, redwood trees. And um, we're trying to help with the Gurnerville Forest Coalition to um, stop that from happening. So earlier you mentioned a book called Nine Nations of America. I, was, I wanted to ask you about any other book recommendations you have. I'll go. Uh, I'll go with the Joel Garo. I'll do, give you two more, and then I got a few more other than that. Um, he wrote another book called Edge City, which is about mega regions. Um, you know, like a, if you take Boston, New York, and Philly, it's it's really one large connected city, where he focuses on these edge cities. He calls them that have more retail space than um, more yeah more commercial space than residential. Um, these cities just kind of sprawled up in between other cities. Um, and the other one he wrote was called Radical Evolution, where he talks about, he calls the GRIN technologies, genetics, robotics, information, and nanotechnology, and how they're going to affect the future. Um, I think automation is, uh, is a very important, it's been a very important issue to me. Um, so I'd even suggest um, Andrew Yang's The War on Normal People, which is a book really or he gives a lot of good statistics about um, automation. Even if you um, don't support UBI or his solutions to automation, um, I think his assessment in the book is um, is rather staggering. And uh, let's see. Is there another book that I've read? Oh, I can't remember. And it's an old one. But I like Milton Friedman, which I know is blasphemous for people on the left to hear or even say. But um, – I get a lot out of Milton Friedman, anything Milton Friedman, especially um, 
his like eight nineteen eighties stuff. Sounds good. I plan to include that all in the show notes. Excellent. Thank you. Sure thing. What calls to action do you have for our audience? Well, if you're in California, um, check out um, our candidate for governor, Michael Lopes. He is a professor. I forget. I think he teaches history and American politics at San Francisco State University. So if you Google Michael Lobes, L-O-E-B-S, um, he's running for governor. And that's, I mean, I would love to say we're going to win, but this is more of a way to get atten attention, raise funds, raise awareness, and really to teach us how to run campaigns. So when we start running people for school boards, for council positions, um, you know, we'll be successful. That's nothing I love about our party. You know, you have to think globally, but um, we, we very much focus local. And um, when you work local, it's way more empowering than doing national. Like I said, I was one of the first volunteers for Yang's campaign. Like I had access to the Slack where all the, the campaign staff workers had, you know, I was on early making, I was on phone calls with all the, all of them. Um, and that was fun. It was pretty cool, but it's not as empowering. And I did not get nearly as much done there as I am working with the CMP and working on a local level, recruiting people and whatnot. So yeah, Michael Loeb's for governor, um, California national dot party um, is the website where we have our policies and where you can register. Registration is super easy on the website. Um, on Twitter, um, vote CNP. But um, yeah, right now, Loeb's for Governor, the Gurnerville Forest Coalition we're going to be working with. And um, we have our convention coming up. I'll, um, I'll email, I'll get Yvonne to email you the exact date. But um, I don't know if you, how, uh, I don't know if you've heard of an author by the name of Irvine Welsh. No, um, I haven't. He wrote the book Train Spotting, which was a very popular movie in the 1990s. Um, wrote Filth. He's very popular English author. He is going to be our keynote speaker because um, he support. He's a very supportive of the California National Party and the California Independence Movement. He's a he supports. He's Scottish, so I think his roots are in the Scottish National Party, um, or at least in Scottish Independence. Um, so yeah, we have our convention coming up, and it's been weird. Um, I don't know about you and your life, but for us, I think the party is just looking forward to getting out and seeing people again and going places, being at farmer's markets. Um, and I'll give a, a, a shameless plug to, to the podcast I do. Not nearly as good as yours, I can tell. Um, huh. Last exit on the left, it's myself, a co-host Forbes, who's the South um, Southern California Regional Coordinator, and then Brandon, who is um, who works at the, um, with the Cascadia Independence Movement. And we focus a lot on left coast issues and obviously independence and bioregionalism. Um, yeah. So that's, those are the places you can find me or what I'm all about. I got a link to your podcast on YouTube. That's where you want people to go, right? For your podcast. Yes. Okay. All right. I can plan to include that in the show notes as well. So you were saying that you want people to go to your website and click the register link. Is that how they join your party? Yeah, they we have a, it's set up with a link. California is very good with their online California. I forget the government link, but they're very good at letting you switch parties. It's super easy. Sounds and we have good. the link there, so it's it you can go from there. And um, I'll even say, you know, we were talking about like outreach or going out. 
this is not just for the California National Party, although we're focusing on, I think progressives in general, and this isn't even like the do the right thing. I think even just a campaign strategy, I think have neglected rural areas a lot and have focused too much on city and suburban. And I know that's one thing, especially because my the region that I coordinate is from Monterey to all the way up to the Oregon border, which is a lot of just rural, beautiful country. And um, I think it's important for even yeah progressives, independents, and third parties. That's where we should be reaching out. Is these rural areas that have been totally screwed over by both Republicans and Democrats, where it's easy to get a delegate. Um, you know, our goal with Michael Loeb's running, we want to find that rural county where the message resonates and for him to get 5% there, which when someone looks at a map and they see that huge portion of California and a California national party person with 5% or 2%, whatever percent it is, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't correlate that that's not a lot of people. So like a third party for us with a few thousand votes we could make lots of like make lots of waves in a rural um, county in California. Um, so that's that's our plan, and I hope progressives and third party people, because um, at the end of the day, third the worst I would say the vast majority of worst third parties are still better than one of the other two parties. Um, you know that's how we we succeed, and when a third party succeeds, it helps all the other third parties. But it's when we reach rural areas and start building momentum there, then then I think the cities and the um, suburbs fall into place. But, um, yeah, I, I appreciate you having me on. And I definitely appreciate um, what you do because uh, we're definitely <laughs> the California National Party. We are all about third parties. Excellent. We also appreciate you coming on to our podcast. Yeah, anytime. And, in fact – We'll probably have to return the favor and have you come on ours one of these days. That would be very interesting. I was watching part of it today, the one you had about communal living. Ah, yeah, that was um, that guy's a real interesting guy. That's Reverend Bill Beardsley. I don't think he's no longer a reverend, but he married my wife and I. But he um, he was Bernie Sanders' opening act in New Hampshire in twenty six in twenty twenty. Like he was the guy who would give the speech and then Bernie Sanders comes out and gives him a hug. You know, that speaker. Yeah, he was that guy. Um, yeah, he's he was one of the more powerful progressives in um, in New Hampshire, which being from New Hampshire, I'll say that's another thing maybe that I was naive about. Like I didn't realize that other states don't get the attention from candidates that New Hampshire gets. Like I did not realize that presidential candidates knock – don't knock on your door. It was, it was, it was very naive. Like, um, I always remember my neighbor in 1990, I said, yeah, 92, 91, I went and got sugar from, uh, um, my neighbor and Hillary Clinton was there. Oh my. Advocating for her husband to my, to my neighbor who was a progressive reverend in New England, a different person. And uh, I just remember like, Oh yeah, that doesn't happen for everybody else. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that was, by the way, that was one of my favorite podcasts I did. So thank you for checking it out. And uh, yeah, thank you for having me on. Excellent. We wish you the best of luck and may you achieve your goals and your dreams. All right. And uh, out of curiosity, what state are you we talking to you from? 
another big state, Texas. Oh my goodness, the stars at night are big and bright, deep in the heart of Texas. I'll have to uh never been, but I'll uh if I ever go, I'll give you a call. Excellent. Where I'm in Austin. Oh, you're in Austin. That's where everybody is now. Yep, it's going very quickly. Well, I I'll I'll I've been at a city called Fairfield where any if you ever eat a jelly belly, think of me. Oh, that's what that's the factory there? Jelly Belly Factory. We have a Travis Air Force Base, and uh, I, I, it's funny. I live Fairfield. I, I live five minutes from Highway 80, and then five minutes from a, a wine country. It's a very, um, it's a very interesting place. Sounds excellent. Thanks uh, again. Thanks again, and all the best. All the best. Take it easy. Bye now.